Today's episode is sponsored by One Day West Games and their newest game, Sheep Boom Ba, which is on Kickstarter right now. Sheep Boom Ba is a tile-flipping sheep herding game for two to four players. After all your sheep wander into an active landmine field, it's your job to safely return the absent-minded flock back to your farm. On your turn, you can use an action to move a sheep onto a field tile, and once there, you can flip over the tile to discover either a field, a landmine, or a barn. And bonus points are scored for finding a field or barn tile. You also use cards from your hand to move, steal, and even revive sheep. At the end of the game, players score points based on the final positions of their sheep, either in the barn or the barnyard. The player with the most points wins. So, check out Sheep Boom Buy on Kickstarter now. Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com. Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab podcast, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Each week, we want to bring you an insightful interview on a specific topic in board game design to help you design and create games people love. And now, here's your host, Gabe Barrett. What's up, my friends? Welcome to the Board Game Design Lab. Today, talk about iteration, talking about rapid iteration, talking about making the game quickly and then remaking it even quicker. And today, we're talking to Ryan Languish. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, man. Excited to talk to you about this stuff. This is something that uh, I am told by some friends of mine, some people that I, uh, you know, that I trust pretty well, that you are a guy that uh, is really good at rapid iteration. Uh, we're going to talk about some game jams. A game jam, I think you won recently, a 24-hour mm-hmm. contest, if I'm not mistaken, which is, I mean, that, that is nothing but rapid iteration. Like, that is the whole contest, basically. And so I'm just, uh, I'm pumped to kind of get your ideas, your tips and tricks on how to do it effectively. This is something that comes up a lot. How do, how do I just make the game? How do I make the prototype? And then how do I make it again? Once I realized it's not as good as I hoped it would be. But before we get into that, who are you? How'd you get into game design? All that kind of thing. Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm Brian. I um, got into game design. It's hard to, to pick an exact kind of start date. I've always been interested in making um, puzzles and games and things. Um, a lot of my background actually is in uh, digital video game design. Um, so that's how I, I got into computer programming and actually work as a software engineer now. Um, but I've always, I mean, for the past 10, 15 years of love, modern board games um, have always kind of tinkered around with um, designing and only, and kind of more recently um, kind of maybe taken it more, more seriously, I guess, um, in kind of pursuing that. Um, but yeah, I uh, live, live and breathe a lot of different uh, game design stuff. Can't keep my mind off of it. So whether it's, whether it's puzzles or video games or, or tabletop games, um, I find I find them fascinating to try to try to create. Yeah, very cool. And now your first game was in a in a puzzle magazine, right? When you were like sixteen, is that right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, back when I was in high school, um, I I always loved uh, you know pencil and paper puzzles, whether I'm on vacations or things with one of those puzzle magazines. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of was brainstorming some of my own little puzzle designs, and naive little sixteen year old me kind of reached out to some of these big name uh, puzzle editors um, and happened to get get some replies and pointed in the right direction um, to get connected with uh, Games Magazine, which uh, they now publish under Games World of Puzzles. Um, and yeah, I've had a few different designs published in that magazine over the last 10 years pretty consistently. Um, so that's been kind of a fun other creative um, avenue that's pre- pretty... Uh, related to to game design i think there's a lot a lot of similarities between them but definitely kind of a different um different perspective i guess 
Yeah, for sure. All right, let's jump into it. So when we talk about rapid iteration, like what does that mean? Let's get a good little working definition. When you think rapid iteration, like what's on your mind? Yeah, for me, rapid iteration, um, it's really how quickly can I validate whatever the next idea I have is that I'm looking to, you know, see if it works. Um, you know, I, I'm sure anybody that's done game design has experienced how great um, your ideas all sound in your head before you get started. Um, and, you know, the more you design it in your head without validating any of those pieces, the more you're building upon assumptions you've made of what you you think is going to work really well. Um, and I found that the the less you can build up those assumptions and the quicker you can start actually validating some of them, um, the better. And, and, and when I say validation, it's really, um, you know, everybody's trying to make fun games, right? So it's kind of, it, it's hard to know if, if a mechanic or an idea is actually fun until you actually just try it. Um, I don't think there's like a very straightforward formula for, you know, oh, if I put this together with this and, you know, have these pieces move around and you take this, that's going to be fun, right? Like that just, it's it's a very kind of intangible um, element. Um, so the quicker you can get something down and just, you know, prove to yourself, hey, that, that actually was kind of fun or, you know, that, <laughs> this is like work, you know, moving these things around, like I'm, this isn't fun at all. Um, the quicker you can pivot and, you know, find the pieces that you should be building off of more um, or the pieces that you should be dropping before you kind of over-design it to the point um, that, you know, it's just, too, it's too much. It's kind of, it's it's built on too many things that um, should, should have been kind of eliminated right away. Um, so yeah, kind of just that, it's really, I like to think of it kind of like the, the scientific method, right? Like you, you're forming some hypothesis in your mind of this seems like it, it could be fun. Um, but then how quickly can I then, you know, run some tests, validate that that's the case or not the case, and then use that information to drive forward how I um, continue um, to move forward with the design. Yeah, absolutely. Now, when we say rapid, like when you're thinking rapid iteration, like what does that look like? What's the timeline? Is there a certain amount of time that if you kind of break that, it's like, ah, oh, you're not really doing the rapid iteration anymore. <laughs> like, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think there's kind of like the, the ideal, right? Like, I mean, in an ideal world, you would as quickly as you could um, get from the idea to something that you can test and, you know, keep that feedback loop really tight. Um, obviously in the context of like, a game jam that's like forced, which is actually one of the reasons I think they're a great exercise for game designers is because it just doesn't give you room to make some of those mistakes of overthinking it. It just, it, it almost forces you into a good habit, habit of um, that iteration. But yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a right answer and it's going to vary a lot with the type of design you're working on. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of ask myself the question when I'm starting to think through something, whether I'm in the context of a, of a game jam or not, kind of, you know, okay, I've got these ideas. What do I need to get do to get to that first test? Like what's keeping me from testing something um, and focus on that, um, you know, because it's, it's so easy to get excited about like a lot of the ideas that could build off your ideas. And oh, like wouldn't it be, oh, I can have these variable player powers and add this in and that in. And, um, you know, those aren't really the first questions that you should be answering. Um, so I think, I think at least, you know, having that awareness of asking yourself the question of, you know, 
what what's keeping me from getting that first test? Just keeping that question in the back of your mind um, kind of helps you strive towards that ideal of um, it being as rapid as possible. Right. That's a good point. And one thing I like to do, and this is a little bit arbitrary, but I like to put certain little uh, restraints on my, my idea, my prototyping, and basically put some deadlines on there and say, okay, within the week, I want to have that prototype ready or that new prototype to be able to test it when the opportunity arises. Because so often we, we get lazy or we you know, procrastinate or we're just overly scheduled and we're too busy. And then we get an opportunity where we could probably test it, but we haven't even made it yet. <laughs> and so yeah. you know, that iteration process is so is so important. Uh, just, just in case the uh, opportunity comes up, you got some friends over for game night or you have a little spare extra, you know, couple hours, you're like, oh man, I could, I could test my game. And so the quicker you can iterate and quicker you can get the, get that prototype out, one, you're not going to forget as many ideas, right? That's something I think we all struggle with is like forgetting stuff because it's been a month since we thought about it or picked it up or looked at it. And so the faster you can do it, the less likely you are to forget the cool stuff. And hopefully you're writing stuff down too, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. But then also you, you get the opportunity, more opportunities to to test it. Now, real quick, you, you mentioned something called a game jam. For somebody who hasn't heard of what that is, what, what is a game jam? Yeah, yeah. So in my experience, a game jam is simply, um, I mean, it's basically a contest where you have some limited amount of time. Usually, I've seen them range from kind of 24 hours up to maybe a week um, in different contexts. And usually you're given some sort of prompt or theme at the front end of the jam that you don't know until the clock has actually started. And then based on that, you need to, by the end of the time limit, have produced some submission um, that uses that that prompt or theme to, to create a, a game, which obviously is usually going to be in a pretty early prototype um, form. But, you know, the goal is, how, you know, how far can you get with that? How how much not necessarily polish from like a, you know, graphic design kind of standpoint, but polish from, you know, you were able to keep your iterations rapid enough that you actually have some confidence um, that, that the ideas that you're pulling together are actually providing the experience that you were, you were looking to try to do. Yeah, definitely. So game jams, I mean, they, they naturally have a short time limit built in. But I, I tell you what, this, this same concept applies to a lot of them just in general contests because we as humans tend to wait to the last minute anyway. And so I feel like a lot <laughs> of these, you know, things that we're going to be talking about uh, apply to a contest that you had three or six or, you know, seven months to do. But then you're like, oh, I probably should have done that before the last week or two. And so I feel like, you know, these concepts can also apply uh, in other things. Now, I've seen a lot of game jams in the video game realm. But it seems mm-hmm. like they're also crossing over into into board games, and so it's really cool just to kind of see this whole hobby just kind of ebb and flow and do some some new things. Uh, and I know your your game uh, that started off in a game jam is, is about to be on Kickstarter; it's about to be published. So it, it it's it's a, a venue where games can actually come out of these things and become real life things. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and actually, my my background is more in the in the video game game jams. I mean, I don't know if you've heard of um, Ludum Dare is a very popular um, video game. I guess they, they don't technically limit to video games, um, but that's the most common yeah. entries. But that's a very similar 48-hour um, game design competition. And that was why when I saw um, Pan Jam, which was the one I entered with um, Tasty Humans um, that was hosted by Pangea Games, I was kind of excited because I hadn't seen a lot of you know tabletop you know counterparts to um, the ones that I had done uh, with video games. And I, I saw it as a good opportunity to kind of, you know, tr- try, try it out. Um, 
in that realm. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's cool. I, I think they're great. I think everybody should uh, at least consider trying it. There's really, worst case, you, you spent a weekend to, to realize that you uh, didn't, didn't really get where you wanted to, but there's so many lessons to be learned from that. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, it's still just practice, you know, and, and practice uh, makes progress. And so that's the thing we're all trying to do, right? Make that progress. Yeah. Uh, and so, all right, so you've got experience in both. What would you say are the like major differences between the video game game jams and the board game game jams? Yeah. Yeah. So I think like the nature of making a video game, I mean, one, like the focus is a lot more on kind of those twitch reflexes depending on the style of game you're making um versus board games being like these really pure systems of rules and i think that makes the board game jams a lot harder because Mm -hmm. when i when i'm doing a video game jam um it kind of has a built-in quick feedback loop because it's like kind of add something in and then i run it and i get to kind of play with it and then you know and it's all uh usually single player so like you know when you're designing a game for one player it's a lot easier to iterate and test it with just yourself. Um, whereas a board game design, like if you're planning this to be a, say, four-player game, um, th- there's just a lot more going on um, to try to figure out, like, is it working? Is it fun? Um, and I also just think there's... there's it, it's harder to capture that fun factor, I think, in the in the board game. Like, with a video game, you, you kind of play with it, and it's like, oh, yeah, like this... I don't know. It just kind of kind of works, and you can build off of a lot of existing kind of just tried and true uh, mechanics. Um, whereas in a board game where you're working with a system of rules, like it is a lot more common for a system of rules that maybe seemed like it would be a good idea to just flat out not work. Um, and when you hit that point, you know you have to be. I think you have to be a lot more ready to make big pivots um, and to just really explore a lot of different options to find that fun where it may be a little more self-evident um, on the digital side. Yeah, gotcha. All right, jumping back into just the topic of rapid iteration. Why is this important? Why is this something people need to be thinking about? People need to be, you know, it needs to be on our minds as designers. Um, I mean, I think it really just boils down to the fact that you, um, like we were saying, you you don't really know um, what parts of the design are fun or are going to work until you actually try them and test them. And so if that testing period is kind of the tail end of a single iteration. You know, the quicker that you can get that feedback, that feedback is now going to inform your design. You now have more ability to design well in your head because you know a bunch of things you didn't know before you did whatever test. Um, and so now you get back into that, you, you make changes based on that feedback and you do another test and, um, so that feedback, I mean, that's what makes games like any, any game designer that's ever finished a game, you know, knows that like their game looks very different than how it started out. And it was that feedback loop that created it. So the, the longer you put off getting to that point of testing, um, you know, the, the longer your iterations are, the, the slower your whole development process is and the more kind of kind of big pivots are required because you end up going down down longer paths that you really probably didn't need to head down if you had just validated up front um, a few of the assumptions that you were making. Yeah, that's a really good point. And th- doing this really saves you time long term. Also, another thing that it's kind of funny the way we talk as game designers or you see things on Kickstarter and, and people are talking about their game and they'll say, oh, I've been working on this game for three years. It's like, well, 
why did it take that long? It just seems like a long time, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and so with rapid iteration, you can really, really speed up the design process mm-hmm. for a game. And if you look at like the major publishers, this is what they do. They are just rapidly iterating constantly because they have deadlines to hit. If they're working with a license, they have to get that out in a certain amount of time or else they're just going to, it's going to be losing money because they're you know paying for the license fees and stuff like that. And so rapid iteration is really how you go to that next level of game design and, and really, you know, becoming a designer more than just kind of a hobbyist. So I think that's another thing. If, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, I want to be a game designer. I don't want to just make a game. But then, then this is one of the ways to do it is get really good at rapid iteration and just fixing things and validating things and throwing stuff in the trash that's not any good and moving on mm-hmm. as quickly as you can because that's that's what the pros do. And so I think it's just something, it's, it's a skill that if you want to do this for real, that it really you need to hone this skill and become as, as good at it as possible. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, I think honestly the biggest... Uh, barrier to becoming better at the rapid um, iteration is you just have to get so comfortable with failure, which is like a horrible feeling, right? Um, But like, you know, if you're really getting to that idea of, you know, really quick iterations, really what you've done is you've like increased how often you're failing, which is not like what anybody is like striving to feel, but it's just the reality of like, that's what makes good games. Like you, you have to, and, and that's again, why I like the uh, kind of the, the metaphor to kind of the scientific method, right? Cause when, when you kind of frame it as like, I have this hypothesis and I'm testing it and, you know, I'm recording the results of letting it, that and letting it inform my, my future design work, it kind of lets you you know, sit outside the experiment and not feel like it's such a personal it's not like this personal failure if like I, I came up with these ideas and I tested it and man, like that was not fun because I think the, you know, if you're new to game design and I know I've experienced this, um, when, when you try something and you think in your head it's going to work and then you sit down and it's like this, this is not good, like this is not working, you feel, it can feel like you're a bad game designer because you're like, I tried to design this, I thought it was going to be good and it's not. Like, so I think learning how to kind of detach yourself from that and be like, you know, this, your game design is this thing. It's this nebulous thing that you're trying to form into what's ultimately going to be a good game. Um, But at any point early in the development, you know, the state of it does not reflect, you know, whether you're a good or bad game designer. Um, And, you know, I think, I think you could argue that what does reflect that you're a good game designer is your ability to continually, um, you know, be okay with failure and try things. And, you know, the more okay you are with failure, the more willing you are to maybe try things that are a little more out there. Um, You know, like, oh, this seems like kind of a crazy idea. It doesn't seem like it would work. Well, just, you know, try it. If it doesn't work now, you know, move move forward with it. Um, And I'm sure there's many games that the, the core mechanic or the core hook actually came out of something like that of somebody just trying something that seemed kind of, ridiculous but gave them the seed of something that they could really build off of um that they wouldn't have known if they hadn't just tried it yeah definitely when i was interviewing donald x baccarino for the first edition of my game design book that's something he talked about how uh dominion was actually part of another game that wasn't all that good he had been working on this game for a while and it just wasn't that great and then but he had this idea for the whole like the the way the deck building deck building mechanism worked and so he just kind of pulled that part out of it and said, well, what if this was the game? And that eventually became Dominion, right? And so the failure led to one of the best-selling games, you know, most popular games of all time. And so I think, you know, you hear this a lot in business. If I can fail faster, if I can fail 
more than my competitors, ultimately I'm going to win because I'm going to have more knowledge. I'm going to have more experience. I'm going to be able to beat them long term because I'm, I'm working faster, working harder you know, to get where I'm trying to go. And I think the same thing is definitely true in game design. If I can fail faster and I can fail more often, then ultimately my games are going to be going to be better. But the cool thing about artistic endeavors is that you really only get judged based on the final product. You know, nobody's going to pick up your game off a shelf one day and say, oh yeah, but the second, you know, the second iteration of this game was garbage. So obviously, the, you know, no, they're going to look at the final version with the final components, final rule set and all that stuff. And that's how you're going to be judged. And nobody's going to see the hundred iterations you threw in the trash or the two iterations you threw in the trash, whatever it turned out to be. They're just going to read the final copy, so to speak. And I think that's true in art. It's true in, in writing. And so that's something to remember as game designers. Nobody sees the process but you. And so don't get discouraged. You know, just do everything you can to get to that final best version of it. And if it takes you a thousand different iterations, that's fine. Because all, you know, people, all people are going to see is that final version, that final copy. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I would add the caveat to that, that um, to definitely be open to showing your design as it's as it's being developed, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. yeah. And like the playtesting it and, you know, because I, I think, yeah, that like, that's a really good understanding to have in terms of like, you know, you're, you're free to try and experiment and stuff. You don't need to worry that this thing is going to be judged. But at the same time, learning that skill of not, you know, it's kind of like another level, not just only being willing to have the design kind of fail within your own experiments, but being able to take a design and show it and play it, test it with a lot of people and get a lot of feedback and still, you know, not have too personal of attachment and be able to treat that as kind of just data to feed your design. Because, um, yeah, it, it's kind of this balance of of understanding that, that you're your design when it's not until it's done that it's going to really be what it's meant to be. Um, but along the way, you know, you want to do everything you can to get all the feedback you can that that's going to help it get to that point. Yeah, for sure. I'm talking about more in the long line, along the lines of like consumers, right? The, the game yeah, community sure. as a whole, I'm not, you know, definitely your playtesters are going to rip your game uh, to shreds <laughs> and that's what they're there for. Right. But that BGG rating is based on your, your ultimate you know, ultimate final, Final copy, but it also reminds me of what Thomas Edison said. You know, he said, I didn't fail. I just found another way that didn't work. And that's what yeah. you're doing. You're just finding all the ways that don't work, trying to get ultimately to the one that does work exactly the way that you want it to. Now, another, you know, we're talking about barriers and whatnot. I think one of the major barriers as well is time. We, we just don't have time, you know, to, to iterate the way we probably want to. We, you know, we're working, uh, you know, our normal jobs, our, our full-time jobs. We pro- you know, a lot of people listen to the show have families, they have kids, they have other stuff going on. And so, as far as rapid iteration, what has been, like, give me some tips and tricks as far as time. What, like, what have you found works really well as far as managing your time, using your time efficiently? Yeah. I mean, again, there's, there's kind of two perspectives, right? There's a perspective within a game jam, um, in which case, you know, you have, you have such limited time. You're going to use all of it. You can get, um, you know, when I, for a 48 hour game jam, I'm typically blocking off, that weekend as much as I can to use pretty much every waking moment to work on that, that quick iteration. Um, but yeah, I think it gets trickier kind of outside of that. I mean, I liked that you mentioned, um, self-imposed deadlines I think are super important, um, and can be super helpful because when, when we don't have deadlines, it's just a fact that we don't push things as quickly as we should. Um, so having those self-imposed deadlines helps a lot. Um, but yeah, I, I think with the, you know, I'm sure so many people can relate to the, I, 
I work, I work my day job, I get home, I take care of some things. And then I, I've got, you know, one to two hours a couple times a week that I can actually like really dedicate to this thing. Um, and I think, I think my advice there would be is to, when you're not in the, that one to two hours that you're actually able to sit down and work on it, um, to really just identify how you're going to use that time specifically, um, you know, figuring out what are those tests that you want to want to accomplish. Cause those are the things that you, you kind of need that dedicated time to actually do is those, you know, specific little play tests or testing specific things. So the more you can prep kind of, even if it's just mentally before you get to that point, um, to know, okay, um, I really, to, to validate this idea, I really need to know if this kind of mechanic idea I have is it kind of has an element of fun in it. Um, so what's like the minimum components I would need to create so that when I get to my, you know, one and a half hours Wednesday night, I can throw it on the table and actually go through validating that. Um, yeah, so I, I think it's just ma- making sure that you're prepared to make the best use of those little blocks of time. Because there, I mean, there is so much of game design that you can do away from the table and in your head, um, you know, and I, I don't want to downplay the value of that, but that's kind of the, the front end of each iteration, right? And you have to move that into something that is testable and then bringing feedback back into that uh, kind of mental design zone. Um so just the, the more you can figure it out in your head, how you should be approaching kind of your, your hands-on time, um, the less likely you are to, to, to waste it when it actually comes. Yeah, and this really gets back to the scientific method, like we were talking about earlier. It's about going into these things with a purpose, with a plan, you know, with things that you're trying to actively test. I think sometimes we, we forget that there's a difference between playing our game and testing our game. Because if you're just playing, I mean, that, that's just when you're like, oh, I'm going to sit down and have, have a fun time. But if you're testing it, you should have some questions going in. Hey, does the battle system work? Do turns take too long? Is the game overall too long? Can I remove a certain system and the game still be fun? Can I tweak some of these cards and it not screw up the balance? Like you need to have te- like testing... Uh, like questions that you're 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 trying to figure out. And I think that's another thing that kind of gets people messed up is they they're really just playing their game as a fo- as opposed to testing their game. And so I think that's that's something that'll help with the rapid iteration process. Is like if you actively know, all right, I want to know does this battle system work, and and does it take too long? Do the dice work out the balance like kind of thing? And then after that that test, you're like, okay, I've I've now got some data, I've got some information for my next iteration where I can change the game, I can move it different ways, and I can move on to the next. A prototype. So I think it's something else to keep in mind. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, and that's that's a good point that, that when we're talking about rapid iteration, the the quality of your your process isn't just how many iterations can I get, but also you know really focusing on the, the quality of each iteration. Like, yeah. what what is the test or the thing I can do that is going to give me the most information to inform the next steps in my design? And yeah, it is so easy to get into that like okay, I'm going to sit down and do another play test. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to play the game again. I'm going to play the game again. And I think, you know, at times there are some value in that and kind of just getting the the holistic view of kind of the how the game works and the, and the enjoyment of the game. But you're also potentially just wasting so much time validating things that you already know that part works. Um, but, you know, you're, you're taking on all of that time just to validate that something else works. 
Yeah, definitely. And now another thing, going back to the time and being efficient, another thing I've found that works really well is actually making a schedule and saying, you know, on Wednesday night from 6 to 8 p.m., this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on this because what gets scheduled gets done, right? A lot more often than, oh, you know, I'll just I'll just feel it out. You know, so if you're actually yeah. going to schedule those things and then die on that hill, so to speak, of like, no, I'm not going to watch Netflix. No, I'm not going to do this or that or the other. And you know, only only an emergency is going to pull me away from this time. I think that's a much better way to do it. You know, same, like if you want to do this for real, treat it like your normal job. Where in your normal job, you have to get there at a certain time. Otherwise, there's a problem. And you have to be there for a certain amount of time. Otherwise, there's a problem. And so treat game design in the same way if you want to do this for real. Uh, set aside some time during your week and say, this is what time I'm going to show up. This is how long I'm going to work. This is what time I'm going to be done. And I think that helps a lot with, with the iteration because you, you've scheduled that time and then you know, hopefully we'll use it uh, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I, I love that, that distinction between kind of, you know, are you, are you going to be a professional in your game design, you know, uh, pursuits? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love the. I don't know if you've read the book, uh, The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. Um, I haven't, I have not, but I've heard really good things about it. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of my favorites for specifically kind of that, that he makes this distinction between kind of the professional and the amateur and what are the traits of each. And he talks about how like, you know, what's something we're all a professional in, you know, it's our jobs. We show up to work, even when we don't feel like it, we show up to mm -hmm. work, you know, and it's like, okay, if you're really going to take whatever hobby or, you know, thing you're pursuing seriously, why, why shouldn't you be applying that same kind of dedication to that and being a professional? Um, so yeah, I definitely, I definitely would recommend that book to any, um, you know, kind of person with going through creative endeavors. Um, I think it's a good, good kind of kick in the butt for just like, yeah, I need to stop making excuses and actually, <laughs> actually just sit down and do my stuff. Yeah, definitely. I was talking to, so I teach 10th and 12th grade uh, English during the school year. And I was talking to uh, my class the other day as 10th graders and we were talking about careers and like, hey, what are you guys thinking? Like, you know, you don't have to have it figured out now, but what are you leaning towards as far as your careers and whatnot? And uh, one girl in the class, she was being totally serious. And she said, I want to be a YouTube content creator. I want to make YouTube videos. I want to make money off of it. And I was like, that's really cool. And we live in a world now where you can do that potentially as a full-time job, if you do mm -hmm. it well, if you work hard, you know, and then, but then I asked her, I said, well, how many videos are you making a week right now? And she just looked at me and stared and blinked. And I, and I said, <laughs> are you making, are you doing anything? Like, are you making any videos? And she said, well, 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 no. I was like, then what are you doing? Like, you don't actually want to do this. Like, you need to start doing it now and start getting better and start growing. You know, don't just hope one day you can be a pro at it. Like, you mm -hmm. got to start building the foundation as soon as possible. And so I think that's nothing. You know, a lot of people, they, they say they want to do things professionally, whether it's write or paint or be a investment banker or whatever. But like, what are you doing right now today to set you up for that to actually happen? You know, a lot of people, it's just wish, you know, kind of wish, wishful thinking and hoping for the best when it actually just takes work. There's no magical answer it just takes getting out there and getting it done yeah definitely definitely all right so we've mentioned validation a couple of times like what like what is that exactly and give me some of your best ideas your best tips and tricks as far as like validating idea an idea and knowing okay this is not so good i'm gonna walk away or i'm gonna totally change this give me your best uh, ideas on validation yeah so i i mean we've talked about how you're striving for that fun factor, right? Like that's, that's fairly universal um, when we're making games. Um, and so, you, you know, you're trying to validate is this thing fun, but again, that's kind of this nebulous term that can mean a lot of different things. Um, and I, I, so, so something I do um, that I think is helpful um, for kind of 
knowing how to validate that something is fun is when I, when I start a design and I'm looking at it, I try to kind of lay out a list of my kind of player experience goals. Um, and it's kind of like, what if I, if I picture what I, you know, the idea I have in my head in its most perfect form, what are the like feelings that I see the players have playing this game? What are, what are kind of the things I'm striving to provide on that player experience level? Um, and then those can kind of serve as that compass for the design as you're making those iterations is kind of, are the things, are the mechanics I'm putting together, are they supporting those, you know, those goals that I've set are pillars of, of what I want this design to be. And those don't have to be locked in stone by any means. Um, but I think a lot of times at the beginning, you, based on the type of game you're making, you do have a pretty good idea of, um, kind of what you're striving for it to be. Um, you know, and if you've played a lot of modern board games, you can probably think of um, some similar games or games that provide a similar experience. Um, but I think having those to kind of support what does fun mean in the context of this game um, can really help in that validation process. Um, because you can kind of say, okay, I play tested these things, now go through my list of player experience goals which of these do I feel like maybe I'm hitting? Which of these am I not hitting and what might need to change to be able to be hitting these goals? Um, so I've, I've found that to be um, very helpful because I think, yeah, that fun, sometimes fun kind of just comes out and presents itself. You know, you play this and it's just like, man, this, this is actually kind of fun to do. Like I should really explore this more. Um, but sometimes you need a little more um, kind of finer grain definition of what fun you, you think fun should mean in the context of this design. Um, so I think having that, that list that can kind of keep you on the right track and pointed towards, um, kind of what you're striving for it to be can be super helpful. Yeah. I really like that idea of making, make a list. Like what, what kind of game do you want this to be? If you want to make a social deduction game that has a lot of tension in it, then write that down. And then when you're testing it, as you're iterating, does it provide the tension that you're hoping for? Uh, again, it gets back to that whole scientific method. And one of the main things you do at the beginning is you start writing stuff down about your, your hypothesis and, and things you want to see and want to test. So I think that's, that's really good. All right, let's jump into just some, just some general tips and tricks. What are some things you've found to kind of you know, speed up the process of iteration or to do things uh, as quickly as possible from prototyping standpoints or testing standpoints? What are, what are your best tips and tricks? Um, so I would say one big thing is um, just figuring out your tool set, right? Like, I mean, I think most, uh, you know, most game designers are pretty familiar with the, you know, I cut up, cut up some paper, write down, scribble some things on some cards, start moving them around the table. And I think that's really great for some of the early, just what's the quickest way I can get some components on the table. And, you know, I've got a shoe box of tons of extra components from old games and stuff just you know get something on the table and start moving pieces around because you just start to visually see how things are working but i think investing in kind of your larger game design tool set um is super important as well so when i when i was looking to enter uh pan jam one of the things that uh i kind of set as a goal or saw as, a, as an opportunity with that was, was to maybe explore using some tools that I hadn't really used before. So one example is um, Nandeck, which I know a lot of um, game designers are familiar with, which is a way to basically programmatically make, um, make cards from, from data. And so when you update the, the data of your cards in your spreadsheet, you can run them through your Nandeck template and you get the new, you know, the new deck of cards without having to manually go through and change every card. 
Um, and so I saw that as a very, uh, a potentially a very valuable tool in the rapid iteration, right? Like the faster I can make updates to components and get them on the table again, uh, the faster I can, you know, have my iteration process going. And so probably a couple, couple days before Panjam started, I just spent some time with Nandek and just tried to familiarize myself with it enough that, um, you know, I would be comfortable if my design ended up using, um, cards that I would be able to maybe use it to help out, which did end up happening. I ended up my submission for that. I ended up having the deck of cards all made through Nandek and it actually was super helpful. I, I made the t- template and everything pretty quickly because I'd familiarized myself with it. And then in the final stages, when I was needing to make some really, really quick tweaks, because, you know, there was all of nine hours left and I still had to write the whole rule book for submission. Um, I was able to iterate really quickly because I was able to just, oh, this, this little thing needs to change. I just changed it in the data and ran it back through Nandek. Um, so I think that's one one good example. I think another one is a tabletop simulator. I know a lot of game designers um, use tabletop simulator, and I've been uh, kind of working to invest in it more. The majority of the the testing that we did on Tasty Humans was in tabletop simulator. Um and I've found that to be just really helpful. Um, you know, if I want to sit down and do a play test or do something, I just open it up and the, you know, it's already up on the table and I just, uh, you know, do whatever I want. I can duplicate pieces or bring in p- things on the fly. Um, not to mention the huge advantage it is to be able to play test remotely um, with other players um, using that. So, so but my decision to kind of pursue both of those was me, you know, zooming out and looking at you know, what does the iteration cycle look like for me in board game design? And what are the things that can help me make that quicker? Um, And so those are two tools that I've kind of chosen to invest in and so far have have found a lot of um, a lot of success in just finding them very helpful in keeping that that iteration tight. Yeah, we live in exciting times where there's so many different uh, softwares and online tools to help you do these things faster. Uh, and Nandek is a great one. I know a lot of people use that one. If you're listening to this, you're trying to figure out what we're saying. It's N-A-N-D-E-C-K, Nandek. And if you just Google that, you'll find all sorts of tutorials and you'll find the actual uh, program itself. And it, it makes making cards a lot easier. There's also Component Studio from the Game Crafter. I know they put a lot of work into that. It's an amazing little system. Uh, you have to, it's a monthly fee, but I, I think it's more than worth it if you're going to be doing this a lot. I use Canva. C-A-N-V-A.com, Canva, and it's it's really great. I've got some templates that I've built, you know, for making cards and different things. It kind of speeds up my process. But I think, you know, making templates is one of those things. It takes a good bit of time on the front end, but it saves you a ton of time on the back end. And so it's all about, you know, are you, where are you putting your time? Is it is it going to – are you doing things that are going to make you – or create more time in the future? And whatever those things are, do them and, and do them as often as you can because in the long run, if you're again, if you're doing this long term, it's going to save you a ton of hours over the long haul. And so I think that's something really good to think about. Now, as far as like prototyping, what are some things you've learned rapid iteration wise in actually making the physical prototypes? Yeah. So, I mean, there's kind of different stages of the physical prototyping. There's kind of that, the early, very first I'm validating my ideas stage, which is really scribble some things on paper, get some random old game pieces out and just start moving things around. Cause there's something about seeing things spatially on the table that just tells you a lot of things that you didn't know in your head. You know, I, I, some of my earliest kind of play tests aren't even, you know, play tests as much as just like sitting there at the table, looking at these pieces. And then I kind of move a few around and then sit and think about that. And, you know, there's something about that, that lets you process in, in a different way than if you just think about the idea in your, it, it, it kind of raises, 
maybe some of the problems that you kind of gloss over when it's just this idea in your head. Um, and so I think getting to that, getting to that point really quickly is important. Um, as far as, as prototypes as you go, it's kind of this tough balance, right? Of, of how much effort do I put into a, into a physical prototype, um, while still trying to strive for that, that quick iteration, um, you know, in my experience with Tasty Humans, there there really never was within the context of the game jam much of a physical prototype. Um, I, you know, kind of validated some ideas, did some things, and by the time I was writing the rule book and putting up all the components and stuff, you know, I never actually printed off those components and tested again. I just didn't have time. Um, ultimately, what as we developed Tasty Humans further, um, what drove having like a, a better physical um prototype because because that's kind of the question right is when when should i invest in maybe making it a little bit nicer um and for us it was we were going to a local convention and we wanted to be able to show it off a little bit there um and so that kind of justified okay we're, we're pretty happy with where where the design is at we're gonna you know make make something a little nicer that it improves improves the play you know because I don't know if anybody's ever played a tile placement game uh, with paper components, but it's a pain because you have to pick up these tiny paper pieces and then you're trying to put them on your board and it's just, it's not a good player experience. And so when we were getting to the point where it's like, okay, we're going to go demo this for people, you know, we're going to get feedback. We don't want that, that part of the player experience to be the barrier to them enjoying it. You know, we, we want to find out that they maybe, had problems with something that we can change in the design. So we don't want them to be any, we don't want there to be any barriers to that just because of how the physical prototype was made. So I think some of that can come in with, um, you know, whether it's conventions or local meetups or something, um, those can sometimes be kind of that good personal deadline, right? To maybe, okay, I want to go to this thing at this date and have something to show. So I'm going to, quick, quick iteration all the way up to that, but then maybe finish it off with putting a little bit more into my physical prototype than I maybe otherwise would. Yeah, that's a good point. And one thing I've seen designers use or kind of do to kind of give them a little kick in the pants, so to speak, is they sign up for publisher speed dating, or they'll sign up to have a table at an unpub or you know, something like that before their game is actually ready. And then that deadline gives them the motivation, gives them the the, the fire, so to speak, to actually get that thing done before before they go. And so you can kind of hack your brain, so to speak, in, in those scenarios to to get things done. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, everybody, you know, is has knows that from school, right? Yeah. That if I have a deadline and need to get something, I always would manage to get it done. And so if you apply that to your own, you know, personal deadlines, it's like, it's not always comfortable, right? You're basically choosing to put yourself in an uncomfortable position yeah. because you know, you, you ultimately want what the outcome is going to be of you actually getting something done. Yeah, definitely. What's the old saying? Nothing makes a person more productive than the last minute. I mean, that's just kind of <laughs> how we are. You know, we are, we are fishbowl, you know, creature so to speak and whatever size that fishbowl is like whatever it's, it's it's so true man whatever the deadline is typically we take up to that point to get it done like very rarely you know is your deadline a week out and you're like yeah you know I'll, I'll go ahead and finish it today like no we tend to take the whole week yeah. and just is what it is i know when i was taking tests back in school like if i had 45 minutes to take a test i'm taking 44 and a half of them yeah. on that test in the last 30 seconds i'll write my name and walk up and turn it in and so i think you know it's just kind of how we are and so if you can figure out a way to kind of hack your hack your system hack your process and use these deadlines to your advantage to get things done. 
man, I, th- I think you can really go to the next level in your game designing or just your in, any kind of creative uh, thing that you're working on. Yeah, and, and I think you know we were talking about kind of that. How do you how do you learn how to be a professional in your in your game design um, and t- you know take it as seriously as you kind of you you say you're passionate about it. And I think that that's a good example of it. Is are you willing to you know bring on to yourself this level of discomfort in a personal in personal deadlines to get those results because you know i mean it's the whole no pain no gain thing right like yeah. you if you really are passionate about it um you know that's a really good litmus test that you really are that passionate about it yeah definitely one thing i, I talk to my my students about i talk to people that i, I work with in, in some different uh, nonprofit work things. It's, you know, everybody wants to change the world. Nobody wants to wash dishes. You're right. And so, so many of these things are about washing dishes. You know, if you were, if you really want to become something great, well, you got to figure out which dishes to wash and, and you got to wash them pretty often. And, and ultimately one day down the road, you know, you'll get to that level where you're like, you're on that world changing level, so to speak is, you know, a little different context, a little different metaphor, but you, I think you understand. Yeah. Uh, any other tips and tricks, any other things that you've seen in your design processes, anything that maybe didn't work? You're like, Oh, I tried this. It, it was terrible. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I mean, to give some context on the on how Pan Jam went for me. Um, so it was it was a forty eight hour design contest. Um, the prompt at the beginning was they tasted quite delicious, so you could you could do whatever you wanted with that, you know. And I, I started out by basically uh, brainstorming out just a bunch of different things that came to mind um, based on that, and narrowed it down to something I felt like maybe had some potential, which for me ended up being. What if you played as the the actual fantasy monsters that you're, you know, eating the adventures that are coming to try to slay you? And then just moving forward from once I had that idea, I actually spent the first 24 hours working on an idea that didn't end up being at all what I used. So I, I hit, you know, I, I worked hard on it, kind of developing this idea out and I got to the point where it's like, man, it feels like I'm not finding the fun factor here, but it's kind of that hard thing of like, well, I wouldn't, you know, be necessarily expecting to have that fun factor yet. That's why I need to kind of test it and find it. Um, and actually my younger brother came over um, that night. So this is like, you know, almost 24 hours into the the design contest. And I, you know, we're kind of, we're kind of playing around with it and trying to, and I'm just realizing, man, I do not think that what I currently have can get to where it needs to get by the end of this contest. Like I just was losing, losing confidence in the idea. And and it came to this point where I was like, Oh, I have this kind of funny other idea. Like what if, what if you, you know, your monsters as you're eating the adventures, you're actually like dropping them as pieces into your stomach and trying to like, you know, arrange them. And that's some sort of puzzle in your stomach. And we kind of laughed at it. Um, but then we're sitting there and we're like, you know, this is kind of, (laughs) this is kind of the crossroads point. I either need to commit to this first idea and just really try to, to work it into what it, you know, into something that I feel good about submitting, or I need to completely scrap it and just like pursue this other idea, which is what we ended up deciding to do. And I'm, you know, looking back on it, I, am you know in awe of how much that was the right decision um because i i really think if i had stuck with the the first idea it was not going to be you know successful in any any way and so i mean that that's what that 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 reminded me of you talking about kind of the uh 
trying things and failing, um, you know, that was basically the first half of the game jam for me. Um, but I think that's a very, very hard distinction to make. I mean, I, I had the advantage of having such a hard time constraint that I almost had no choice, but to, you know, in, you know, make a decision and just act on it. Um, but, you know, say I hadn't been in that kind of uh, time constraint it's hard to distinguish between is this game just not fun yet? And like, if I kind of keep that, keep that iteration process and tweaking and um, you know, will I be able to find that fun and get it to where I want to be? Or is this idea just not the one I should be pursuing? Um, And when you don't have like a deadline, that's, you know, really pushing you to have to either abandon or pursue, you know, pursue something else or stick with something. Um, I think that's a really hard distinction to make because a lot of great games that exist in those early stages didn't have the fun factor. And it's only because the designer stuck with it in that iteration process that they found it. So I, I think that's something I've been thinking about a lot lately is kind of how, how to make that distinction and how long to stick with something that doesn't seem to be working with the, the hope that you're going to figure it out versus... You know, I, I think this one maybe gets shelved. You know, I, I whenever I shelve ideas, I always keep them in my in my notes. And, you know, it's amazing how often you can come back to something because you have a new idea or take a whole piece from an old idea and use it um, in something you're making now. But just making that decision that, you know what, I think this isn't the strongest, you know, idea or project for me to pr- be pursuing anymore. Yeah, definitely. I think knowing when to walk away is one of the most valuable skills any creative person can get. No matter what you're doing, if you're writing a book, you're painting a painting, like knowing when you're kind of done, like ah, this is not going the way that I planned. Uh, and one thing I found that's really helpful is if you have that that mission statement, so to speak, at the beginning of the game you're trying to create and you know the, the type of game, the type of experience, the type of feelings you're trying to draw out of players, it can be really helpful in knowing when to walk away or at least when to pivot or when to do something different if you kind of have those ideas already written down. Like, this is the game I'm trying to make, and it's just not working. It's just not going down the path I want it to. And so maybe you do need to pivot and just make a different game or put it on the shelf for a minute or just just work on something else for a while, and maybe you'll get an idea. Uh, but, yeah, knowing when to walk away is so, so crucial for uh, for games then. Yeah, yep, yeah, I totally agree. And, yeah, it, it's definitely something I, I've been thinking. It's been on my mind a lot lately because, um, you know, coming out of, of Pan Jam and kind of just the – how things have gone with Tasty Humans with being able to develop it further um, with Pangea is really kind of, you know, prompted me to to take take board game design a little more <laughs> professionally to stay on the, the theme of what we've been talking about. Because um, I'd always had a strong interest in it, um, but I think it had always been a little bit of, man, like, even if I get a game to where it should be, like the process to get that to publication seemed a little daunting. I had not, wasn't very familiar with a lot of it, um, you know, and I'm coming from making, you know, video games that I, I make a little computer game and then I just put it up on the internet. I have, you know, complete control to get it out to the public. Um, and it was so easy that I think it just was always hard to really get into board game design seriously because you, you do have to, you know, if you're really serious about it, you have to know what those steps are like down, you know, you have to be okay. Okay. Eventually I may have to go to a convention and try to pitch this to some publishers and things. Um, and so I think for me that uh, the success from Pan Jam has kind of 
uh, been some really good momentum to me kind of taking it more seriously and, and putting, putting in more work. Um, and so starting on some new ideas, it gets me without any time constraints now gets me thinking a lot about, um, you know, is this the right idea to be working on? I've been kind of wrestling with it for a little bit. Um, but that's, I guess that's the boat all of us are in, in the game. All of us have decided to play. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Ryan, man, this has been great. Do you have any kind of closing thoughts? Any, anything like, what would you tell somebody who's th- sitting there thinking like, gosh, I really need to improve my iteration process, or they're really just trying to get into this and do it, you know, a little more professionally as we've been talking about a little next level kind of thing. What would you tell them? I mean, I staying on the topic of the game jam thing, I would say do a game jam. Um, whether it's that you, f- you find one um, that's a, you know, a tabletop 48 hour design thing, or, you know, uh, Ludum Dare, the video game one is three times a year. You could, they technically accept any game submissions. You could submit a board game prototype, but even if you're not submitting it to, I mean, you could, you could have your own game jam. Just say, I'm going to, this weekend I'm doing a 48 hour game jam and I'm going to, somehow pick some random theme or ask somebody to provide one for me. And I'm going to, you know, make a game during that time. Um, I think there are so many benefits that can come from that kind of exercise. Um, I think it forces you to go through the complete design process in this concentrated amount of time. Cause when you're working on a, a, a game design without any time constraints, you tend to spend most of your time in those early stages. You're in the, you know, kind of the, the ideas and early development. Um, whereas a 48 hour design contest or a week or whatever it ends up being, um, it forces you to do the whole, whole design process. And I think there's a lot of value in kind of just, um, you know, I got to the point where I, I was writing up a full rule book for it and, and these things. And I think um, if you want to improve your design skills, that's one of the, the best ways to just kind of give an, an injection of new, new life into um, kind of what you're working on. Um, And not to mention, like if you're working on some game, you know, it's one of those ones you've been working on forever and it's like, man, it's just, you're, you're not sure exactly where you want to go with it. You're having trouble with some of the ideas. If taking, taking a week or, you know, a weekend off to do a game jam like that is a great way to just get the design muscles going again and get it kind of getting away from whatever design you've been staring at for a long time. Um, and a lot of times I think you can come back to it, um, with some, some new perspective or if nothing else, some momentum, um, from that game jam. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely big, big proponent of game jams. I think everybody should at least give it a try though. Make sure you eat well and get enough sleep. That's my my (laughs) advice. Awesome. Well, man, you got a game on Kickstarter right now. Tell me about that. Yeah, so so Tasty Humans, which was um, my my Pan Jam um, submission, originally was Fantasy Feast. We developed it over the last year further, um, made a lot of improvements, um, and now that is coming to Kickstarter June 25th. Um, I think it's going to be base pledge $25, and I think, um, you know, if you're the... If you're someone who likes puzzle games, you know, you like working on your own little puzzle and lots of interacting scoring effects within the patterns of your board. Um, you know, maybe you like something like Sagrada or Azul, but you um, you want maybe a little more to chew on. Um, I think it's, a, I've, I've had a lot of fun with it. I've had a lot of fun designing it. Um, and so I'm excited for some other people to get the chance to play it. Very cool, man. Well, I hope it does really well on Kickstarter and uh, good luck with all the games that you're working on, all the other games you're trying to rapidly iterate and uh, everything else you got going on right now. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. 
Hosting for the Board Game Design Lab podcast is sponsored by Quartermaster Logistics, the leader in crowdfunding fulfillment and warehousing. Check them out at qmlogistics.com and find all sorts of game design resources, bonus material, and chances to win free games at boardgamedesignlab.com. And until next time, keep designing, keep playtesting, and keep creating great games. Did I mention keep playtesting?